to episode 147 of the Customer Support Leaders Podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. Today I'm joined by Kaylin Bailey for a fireside chat. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast today, Kaylin Bailey. Kaylin, it is lovely to have you back. It's been a little while. Um, you've been on panels and you've been here to talk about quite specific topics along with other leaders. But this time we're doing one of my favorite formats. I mean, they're all my favorite formats, let's be honest. But you're here for a fireside where you get to bring your own topic. Now, most important thing that I establish with all my fireside guests early on is is there a fireside in the vicinity that we can claim to have sat by for this chat? Well, it's wonderful to be back, Charlotte, and I can confirm there's two firesides, one outdoor, one indoor, so we can oh, double choose whammy. our location. Double <laughs> whammy. Excellent. Fireside efficiency. That's what I like to see. <laughs> um, fireside productivity, actually, which kind of hooks in nicely. See what I did there? I know what, what you want to talk about. So oh, I see what you did. <laughs> see, see, sneaky, huh? Um, you want to talk about productivity today, I think, right? And some of the things that you're doing at Illuminate and maybe, maybe like we might end up talking about some of the, like some of the things that have been more successful or less successful and uh, uh, we'll see where that goes. But productivity is, um, is one of those things that comes up in support in all sorts of ways, right? And uh, we have a lot of challenges in terms of like how we keep keep the work going, but actually do all the other stuff we've got to do as well. And there's always such a lot of that other stuff, right? Absolutely. Yep. And my company has done some really cool and unique things, especially through COVID, trying to help us be more productive. And it's interesting to see how it's been successful, but also how we kind of have to adapt and where it doesn't fit well for particularly support agents who are, you know, on phones and tickets and can't necessarily step away in the way that um, the company encourages us to. Mm -hmm. I I think that the first thing I want to ask you really is like, these are company initiatives that you've primarily come to talk about that kind of brought you to my, brought you to this fireside today. But um, how does how does a company kind of talk about productivity to its contributors? Uh, you know, and how, how does it frame? How do you, how do, how has it illuminate specifically kind of framed these initiatives and ideas around improving productivity? Because I could imagine that like there is a subtle message there of we want you to do more. <laughs> I think there is. Um... I'm not on HR, so I don't know exactly where this came up, but I do know that they give us kind of a monthly or a, a bi-monthly survey of, hey, how are things going? How are you doing? And it especially was important, you know, post-COVID starting in March when people were working full-time remote, they were doing surveys and asking people, you know, what's going well, what's not going well? And I think people were really honest in those saying, oh my gosh, it's crazy because now that we can't meet face to face, everyone wants to jump into meetings all the time because you don't have that, you know, water cooler chat. You can't just walk over to someone's desk and ask a quick question. So it becomes a day full of back to back meetings because people have something quick they want to talk about. And the only way to get a hold of you is, is really to jump into a meeting or so they thought the only way to, to get a good conversation going was in meetings. So they were getting a lot of feedback of people that were like, Oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed. I'm trying to do, you know, 10 things at once and I've got kids at home and I'm working from home for the first time. So uh, they 
took that feedback and went, how do we help people be productive and focused and not feel like they're just in meetings all day long every day? Mm, yeah, that's um, been a constant challenge through COVID anyway, hasn't it? I, I, I've, I've kind of approached this, uh, I've talked about this a few times with people over the last few months, how it used to be, I used to spend a lot of time on Zoom, but there was always downtime in between the meetings. And then suddenly there wasn't. And it wasn't just that the communication levels elevated. I mean, for me personally, I started a new job uh, the week we went into lockdown as well, which is kind of interesting. But um, it wasn't. But it wasn't just that I had a sense that the meeting frequency elevated or the meeting length had elevated or anything. It was that there was no downtime at all. Like all those things, like if you're in an office, you take for granted the five minutes that you get between meetings, just walking from one conference room to the next or your desk or whatever via the kitchen, all those little mini breaks you get. It's been relentless the last six months, hasn't it? Totally. And funny that you should say that because one of the things that we're doing as a company is resetting our defaults in Google Calendar so that when you invite someone to a meeting, the default if you want a 30-minute meeting is now a 25-minute meeting is the expectation. And then if you want a full hour, it's 50 minutes. So it allows you to, in your house, you know, go to the restroom, grab a drink of water, get a snack, whatever you need to do between meetings. So that has been one of the really successful things that has come from all that feedback is that Mm. uh, the default, the expectation is that you're not in that full hour meeting. You get that little bit of time in between which happened more naturally in the office setting. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, has um, have people st- have people adhered to that? Like, how successful is it at twenty five past the hour? Uh, you know, uh, do do things overrun? Really, I mean, the intention is there, but I think at first, absolutely, everyone was so used to an hour that it was like, okay, sure, I'll check the box and make my invite. You know, fifty minutes or twenty five minutes, but maybe won't quite stick to it. I know that in my head, I've really got until the hour mark. But with time, I think people have gotten so much better because they see the benefits for themselves to get those few minutes. And I would say that since March, it's much more consistently um, adhered to for everyone at the company. There's still some meetings that are super important and you realize like anything in life, oh shoot, I scheduled a half hour, I should have done an hour and those will go you know, up to the mark they possibly can. But I would say solid 90% of the time people honor it, which is really nice. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good because you need people to buy into it, don't you? Totally. And that's where it's tricky. We were lucky in that it was a company-wide announcement that we were doing this, but it gets trickier if you're trying to do it for your particular team or um, things like that. I can see running into issues with the the meeting timing in that way. The whole Mm. company's not kind of bought in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when people are trying to do it individually or at a team level, there's a lot of conflict because people have a lot of different expectations around availability and everything, don't they? Totally. Yep, yep. And everything that's been really nice for us from the company is that we have an hour blackout each day. So uh, they set it at first to be per your time. So at the East Coast, you get the noon break and on the West Coast, you get the Pacific time break. And they soon realized that that made it really, really hard to schedule because it's basically three hour chunk in the day where you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, Eastern has their hour and West and then in between um, mountain time and all that too. So we changed it so that it's a little bit early for Pacific time. I think it's 11 or 1130. And then it's at the same time on the East coast, but at, at two o'clock or two thirty. So that has been a, a really, really nice 
perk as well because as we know things are interesting at home for a lot of people too they've got kids at home in school they've got dogs that are begging to go on a walk they they need to get their breather and it's been really really nice and very very honored for most of the company to take that hour and do what you need to do at home uh similar to a lunch break or the time that you get to go walk around the building if you want to when, when you're working in an office. So that's been something that's gone over really well as well. And I would say kind of similar to those shortened meeting times at first, people would block over it a little bit more. And now it's it's really only there for emergencies, which is the other benefit, right? How often does a fire happen, especially a tech company where, oh my gosh, there's a JIRA that we all need to get in and talk about and figure out a plan for? In those worst case scenarios, we have that hour where it's eight people's calendars who are all full and probably wouldn't have been able to jump in a meeting now have that time if we really, really need it. And we did that just last week. And it was so nice to day of jump in, um, get the right teams involved and, and make sure that we got a big issue resolved quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and nice. Um, yeah, so long as it's kind of only for those like real emergencies. Exactly. Yeah, the rarity once or twice a month kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked a lot about then like taking breaks, actually. Um, but I, w- I would like to remind you that the headline here was productivity. <laughs> <laughs> so so yes. how, do the, how do the two relate then in your mind? So one thing that I think is really helpful when I'm working is to think about single tasking. It's so easy, especially being remote for me to try to do a whole bunch of things at once. But if I can set a timer for 20 minutes or a half hour and really dig in and work on one thing, I think it's good for my brain. I've read articles and it actually makes you smarter and it's healthier because you don't have stress going on in your body of four things trying to go at once. And for me, part of doing that is the breaks, right? I go and work really, really hard for half hour. Don't bug me. Slack is off. I'm going to jump in. And then I take those 10 minute breaks or wait till my hour breaks or little gaps between meetings so that I can get that fresh air reset and jump into the next task that I've got on my list. Mm, yeah. So, do, yeah. Do you think that works as well for those guys on the front line? I think it works different for the people on the front line. It's We definitely encourage our agents to take breaks as needed. So if you're stuck on an hour-long phone call with a client and you're drained and there's calls in the queue, it's still A-OK in our support culture to let your team know you're going to jump off the phones, go on a quick walk around the block or grab a glass of water or anything like that is still super important no matter who you are. And then we can't quite do the hour long break that the company does for everyone, but we encourage our team leads to give at least an hour a day of ticket time to anyone. Even if they're considered a full-time phone agent, they still get an hour a day to look through their tickets that were a result of phone calls that you dig in on, or just, you know, be able to not be available on the phones and dig in and grab a couple from the queue. So yeah, that's sort of our version of it, but it's definitely trickier with people whose primary job is phones and tickets yeah 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 it's nice to have that focus time though because actually when you're firefighting all the time um being able to kind of step away as you said dig into a ticket whether it's from like that productivity point of view actually getting a a a deeper dive and taking a, a, a more gnarly ticket to resolution or or conversely it's a learning opportunity right uh just actually getting the headspace to dig into something that you know, somebody else is working on as well, I guess is quite important. Exactly. Yeah. Because 
sometimes our cues get backed up, but I feel strongly with clients once they've had that interaction, it's really important to dig in as deep as you need to and get it resolved as quickly as possible. Because now they've heard from you, especially if, you know, they've had a ticket in the queue for a few days, it's important that we create that space that people can ask questions and get to a resolution once they've picked up a phone call or a ticket that is kind of gnarly. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you said there, which I think is true of support teams the world over a little while ago, was how you have to do things slightly differently, in, in like for the guys on the front line. That's the way in so many organizations, isn't it, when it comes to like, uh, like uh, you know, company retreats or, or just this hour. <laughs> that support is always on. It never goes away. So, so whether we're talking a whole week to step away from the the, the business as usual or whether we're just talking that hour that's a that's always a challenge for support so so you empower the team leads to kind of give some rotation for that hour what uh, um, have you got got any thoughts on like how how we can manage this across the industry like this need to step away uh, and follow the kind of same initiatives or at least get involved in the same initiatives and uh, other non-business as usual stuff as the rest of the organization I think it's kind of a delicate balancing act. We're always going to be in the minority and be the the team that's harder to accommodate for. So I think your job, especially if you're in support leadership, is to make sure that you're not forgotten about. Because even when support maybe can't be included in some of the initiatives, if the CEO is sending out an email, if they mention, and I know there's some hourly employees on XYZ team that this won't work for, and we're going to find a plan for you, even just an acknowledgement if they don't fit quite into the puzzle the way they want them to is, is really helpful. And I think it goes a long way for our teams. And then, I mean, for my organization in particular, we have definitely a busy season, the back to school fall, we're in it right now. And then uh, quite a big lull in the summer. And so when there's bandwidth, I think that that's the important time to give people the freedom when you can. So we didn't do this for every agent, but the summer for a couple of agents that were really interested in documentation, we were able to have them work three or four days on support. And then they actually got a full day off to go jump in, dive in headfirst to that documentation. Cause I do realize that diving in headfirst, but only getting an hour or two hours is often not enough to really um, get a project to completion or get the level of knowledge that you want on something new. So as we can, I, I really try to do that for my team as well. Mm. I think that working four days on support and getting a day on a special project that helps support would be my dream world. If we had enough staffing oh, and enough yeah. people in the fall, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who doesn't want a support team that reaches that kind of perfect balance? Yeah, yeah. It's something you have to be quite, you have to engineer really carefully. And and I think that it's, I mean, I know that, you know, Illuminate has a relatively large support team, but you have within that, you're supporting some quite specialized product sets, aren't you? So I guess within each product set, you've almost got small teams that actually don't have a great deal of contingency in them right totally and that's actually one thing we're doing kind of in the productivity vein in our support teams is that we've got many products that kind of merge together and are very different they're similar in a lot of ways too we've got several assessment platforms and a couple of dashboard platforms and all that and one of the things we noticed last fall was that some cues looked much worse than others but our agents weren't able to flex over and help so one team might be like oh, great, this fall isn't that bad and I feel awesome. Another is, oh my gosh, I'm drowning and it it makes it feel worse to know that there's people that have bandwidth technically on your same team that can't help, but you're feeling overwhelmed. So we made a huge effort this summer to 
build out Confluence and do cross-training so each agent knows two products. And we pulled numbers for how many agents we would theoretically need for each product if the fall looked the same this year as it did last year. And so there's two products in particular that most of the cross-training was done on. And now we go look at those numbers every day for backlogs and for, it's something like three quarters of their day, agents get pulled onto their secondary products. So when they got cross-trained in and they're picking the low hanging fruit, they don't know the product super in depth, but it is really awesome to see that be effective and you know, mm-hmm. this is just our, our phase one, right? It's the first fall of us trying it and it's, it's really helpful. So, you know, next year, the year after that, we can throw them onto phones and then mm-hmm. the true agents in that product can dig into the gnarly tickets and we can continue to just really load balance. It's okay if our, our wait time is five days for tickets, if it's the same across all products, but when there's a big, um, you know, difference between products that's where it's a red flag for us on leadership to go how do we balance this and make sure that everyone's working equally hard yeah yeah absolutely you don't you don't want anyone to be like stretched or un- underutilized right um and if you can flex in that way that's great um what what else is your organization doing or indeed let, let's maybe think about you personally as well what, what else are you doing on the productivity front so my word for the year is macros. I think that historically Illuminate has been a company that is really, really complex. And we've shied away from macros because it feels like, oh my gosh, no, we can't do this. Every client has a different custom setup and it's not going to work. But what we've come to realize is that there are T1 issues, no matter how complicated your product is. And especially with cross-training, if those agents can go and find a macro that even gets them to 70% of the way or lists off things they should check. It may not be an external facing macro for the client, but it's just for the agent to pull up the info they need. That's really helpful. So my dream goal that we are very far from, but that I want to aim for is to have a help doc for pretty much every help doc that we've got, uh, sorry, a macro for every help doc that we've got so that agents can go in and at least have the base of that created. Sometimes you do just send a help doc and that's done. Otherwise it'll at least point them in the right direction if they're learning or, you know, on a project they're not familiar with. So, um, and the amount of time you save with the macro shortcut in Zendesk and, and getting even just your opening and closing statements, I think that is very significant. And you don't realize it until you form the habit of using a macro and heck you do 30 tickets a day and it saves you 30 seconds. That's, that's 15 minutes in the day that's mm. saved and you're not having to type out the same thing. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, I think one thing that's, um, often overlooked with macros and anything like that is just the just the the saving in mental load as well like it, it's not just the the physical act and and the seconds that you actually say there's a there's a mental load that that is quite a it's unmeasurable but it is a release that you feel if some of the work is done and you don't have to think about it absolutely then that confidence in giving an answer that's in the arena of being correct too. If you're coming up with that answer completely on your own, I, I think that a lot of agents have that fear of, oh my gosh, I could be completely on the wrong track here and I'm nowhere near it. But if there's at least a base macro created, I think it gives people the peace of mind that, you know, they're on the right track and kind of hand in hand with a macro for every help doc. We've also created some T2 escalation macros. So great. You picked up a ticket and it, you're in the deep end and don't know what to do here's all the information that a T2 agent is going to need to take it over. And that has been hugely helpful for those agents that are already feeling overwhelmed and then taking on T2 tickets. They don't have to go back and forth with the client or read a whole thread in a ticket. They've got everything they need to jump in and 
see what's going on, including, you know, what steps have you taken? What have you already checked that I no longer have to check? And, you know, a direct link to everything that they can have a direct link to. And that's been um, really successful. We've moved, we've rolled out in a couple of teams and are in the process of doing that for all of them. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Uh, again, it's kind of uh, reducing the the rediscovery and reducing the, the 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 mental load. It's the mental load that I keep coming back to. I think that's probably my term for this year. You said macros. I find myself kind of saying things like mental load quite a lot. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of undefined sense of like extra busyness, extra work that is is. Uh, like a constant thread if if you don't prep some of this stuff I think Um, totally yeah and on that same mental load theme for you I think that this year is such a crazy crazy unprecedented year for everyone that the mental load already feels heavy and so people are burning out faster than we've ever seen them and it makes sense because it's 2020 and there's lots of other things going on so exactly if we can decrease their mental load and make work as easy as possible as least steps as possible I think that that is really important yeah absolutely um I think the the final thing I'd like to talk about is I'll put you on the spot a little bit you talked a little bit about like working in depth for 20 minutes and then taking that break have you got any other top tips like from a personal perspective on productivity so because my company has a set that there's a day of the week that we can really work What I do is when I'm in meetings or have things going on that I don't have the capacity for right now, but I know I need to loop back into and spend some time on, I actually create a calendar invite for myself on the day that I know I have time and make a huge list of things that I need to come back around to. And then kind of starting that day off, I jump into that list. I prioritize them in that order that they need to be done and what's going to be okay if it gets pushed back to next week and what needs to get done straight away. And for me, writing lists is really helpful and makes me feel, you know, in control of the things that I have to do and I can prioritize. I read an article recently where they say you're juggling at work and in life and there's glass balls and rubber balls that you're juggling and you have to figure out which ones are the glass balls that are going to break if you drop them and which ones can be dropped and it's going to be okay. And I mentally picture that when I'm writing my list, like put your glass balls on the top of your list and then um, the other ones, if you get to them later, it's okay. That's awesome. I I love that image. I'm going to think about glass balls tomorrow. Definitely. And you know, the calendar is, I'm with you on that. Like that's a totally underutilized to do tool. I think if I am struck, like I've got a to-do list, who doesn't have a to-do list? I've got, of course. Yeah. I've got, I've got a personal to-do list. There's like the, the effectively the big to-do list that is my Kanban board for my team. There's like my own personal Trello, there's, you know, notes hanging around, there's emails that have got flags on them. All of these things are effectively to-dos, but prioritizing among all these different systems, within each system is hard enough, but then when you layer on all the different systems, it becomes really incredibly complex. And my final port of call is always the calendar. If I know I have to do something or look at something or investigate something or respond to something today or that day at that particular time, I'm with you. I create a calendar slot for it because that is always going to get my attention more than anything else. Yes, I I definitely have the fancy lists as well and I make sure I don't forget anything, but calendar forces me into working on something if I absolutely have to. Yeah, 
love the calendar. Um, and then, and then you just got to avoid the snooze button. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 147 for the show notes. And I'll see you next time.